Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you how to use radical acceptance if tragedy strikes in your life. I'll also be interviewing author Jeff Johnston, who is the founder of Choices Network, a nonprofit organization he started after losing his oldest son, Seth, to a heroin overdose in 2016. In today's episode, Jeff reviews his book, This One's For You, An Inspirational Journey Through Addiction, Death, and Meaning. This book is not about tragedy, but a powerful book filled with hope for anyone who you know or who may be struggling with addiction. For more information about Jeff, please visit livingundeterred.com. You may also purchase his book on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. When tragedy strikes. Unfortunately, we know that life happens. It doesn't matter if you're a quote good person or a quote bad person, life is just going to happen to all of us. What do you do when tragedy strikes? The majority of us shut down. We don't want to talk to anyone. We just want to be alone and, and just figure out what we're going to do. Grief is such a powerful feeling. The concept or the thought of even moving on or even doing something different in your life is incredibly overwhelming. And that's one of the hardest things. When we compare what was with what is, they're not the same and they will never be the same. And that's one of the most difficult things is a recognition that, and I say this with compassion, your present life will not be like it was yesterday. After your time of grieving, and that's one of the most important things because I think so many times people jump over the grieving stage and go into the what are you gonna do now stage. However, towards the end of that grieving process, you want to use a term called radical acceptance. It's a fancy psychological term that basically means you accept the facts as they are. Doesn't mean you like it, doesn't mean you agree with it, it doesn't mean that the person who did something to you is now off the hook or justifies their behaviors, it doesn't mean any of that. So essentially, you remove the emotions from the situation and say, these are the facts as they are. And when you look at the facts as they are, and as painful as that can be, then that's when you can ask the question, now what? What do I do now? And this is a place where it's so important because when we get lost in what was and forget that there is a what is or what will be in our life, that's when our life stops. So once again, radical acceptance doesn't look at the emotional connection of what you've lost. It just simply says, these are the facts. What do you do? One of the examples I always tell people, so let's say I jump out from around a corner and I'm like, ah, and I scare you. Of course, for the first couple seconds, you're going to be very scared. And then you'll probably laugh because it was funny. However, what happens if you were startled or scared for the next hour? When you think of it in that respect, the startling aspect makes sense because that's your primary response. And then once you had more information, then all of a sudden the secondary response comes in and that becomes a choice. So for me to connect that as far as me jumping out and startling you is so not the same, of course, as when it comes to a major loss or losing something. But it is a really good practical way to say, oh, well, yeah, of course I wouldn't be scared for the next hour. So that's the same concept that radical acceptance uses. The first aspect when I startled you, that is your grief. That makes sense to feel that. And then beyond that is then what? 
So that's where the choice comes in. So when you accept the facts as they are, then it comes to the problem solving. And as soon as you start to feel the grief again while you're problem solving, you want to stop, feel the grief, and then compartmentalize and come back to now what's next. And if you struggle to do what's next, then that's where your friends can come in. That's where professionals like myself or other people that you know or other people that you would hire to help walk you through this. I know there's been times in my life when I had a really significant loss and when I would think about that situation, I would immediately use radical acceptance and say, James, it doesn't matter. This person is not in your life anymore. This event is no longer viable. And so when I would continually tell myself that over and over again, it would allow me not to get lost in the grief again because I chose not to focus on that. So the more quickly you can create that gate or that filter in your mind, and in fact, I would actually say it aloud, James, stop. And when I would say it aloud and really use that radical acceptance of these are the facts, this person is not in your life, or these are the facts, your life is now different. Once again, it sounds harsh, but when you do it for yourself, you realize it starts to decrease that visceral response you have in that grief. And once again, I say this, my friend, with so much compassion because grief and loss are so painful and you still have a choice. Your life will still go on regardless of the loss you've experienced. And it's not for me to tell you what that looks like. It's not for me to tell you how long to grieve, but that choice is yours. So when you think more about that and recognize that radical acceptance is a very healthy tool to remove the emotional connection, to look at the facts as they are, and then what do you do? I have a fantastic interview today with Jeff Johnston. He's going to talk about that. He and his family experienced the loss of his son. He had a choice to make. Find out which choice he made. Stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. My guest today is Jeff Johnston, who is a founder of Choices Network, a nonprofit organization he started after losing his oldest son, Seth, to a heroin overdose in 2016. In today's episode, Jeff reviews his book, This One's For You, An Inspirational Journey Through Addiction, Death, and Meaning. Welcome to my show, Jeff. Hi, James. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this project and uh, to try to, through our, through our storytelling, See if I can help others yes. uh, along the way and help myself uh, improve my well-being in my life. Yes, you know it's. I, I, first of all, I want to honor your your memory, your journey with your with with Seth. It's. I can't even imagine how much how difficult it is. Not only grieve, but it also become more of a public figure, and then talk about that as well as you continue to grieve. How how in the world do you do that? Well, I, I've kind of I'm, I'm into compartmentalizing mm-hmm. things, and so grief and and depressive moments and anger, all these things, I've learned to kind of put into boxes yeah. and deal with them and then move on. But, you know, you know, my why is one thing that got me to where I'm yeah. at finding, I think whenever anybody has something happen to them, if they're able to find their why, and in my case, you know, losing a son to heroin and then losing a 21 year marriage mm. um, and then being an alcoholic myself, you know, I had to do a lot of digging yeah. and what was my why? And I figured out my why was three things. My why was first of all, to save my life. Mm-hmm selfishly, 
this project I'm on, the Living Undeterred Mindset project that I've that I've embarked on uh, about four months ago, was selfishly to keep me from joining my son at this mm. point. You know, I love him. I love him, but I'm not I'm not willing to go yet. You know, to to see him. Um, I'm, I'm I've got too many things I want to do while I'm alive here. So it was to save myself, to honor Seth, and then to try to help others in that order. And ultimately, if I can do all those simultaneously, that would be the perfect sure. scenario. That that that's my that's my why. And then why me? Uh, well, uh, I think for me, losing a son to heroin, losing a marriage, and then. F- figuring out a way to become a better man. I, I'm a better human being than I was before all that happened. Yeah. And I, through sharing my story, I can show or teach people how I did it. And it's nothing miraculous or heroic. It's just some processes and some, mm-hmm. uh, some things I did very structured in my life, like meditation mm-hmm. and, and, and not drinking and stoicism and things I got into heavily that literally helped me glue all this together so now at 55, I'm, I'm stronger emotionally I've ever been in my entire life. Congratulations. You know, that's the thing. Life, life often gives us opportunities. If something is a stumbling block or becomes a stepping stone. And in that, we always have a choice. And often we don't realize we have a choice. Mm-hmm. But until after that initial time of grieving, because we all have that initial response. And then once that time passes, then we have to remind ourselves, well, what do I do with this? And so that becomes when the choice right. is activated. So good for you for being able to do that. Tell me about Seth. Yeah, I'll tell you about Seth. Seth, Seth was a great kid. Um, at 15, he was, uh, I was coaching him in basketball. Uh, he liked to play guitar, um, you know, liked to go to the prom and dances and get a cell phone, all the things every 15-year-old. <laughs> he had two little brothers, uh, Ian and Roman. And then at 16, the doctor said, hey, you have ADD, uh, take Adderall. Mm. And that started us a journey of eight years of, you know, Adderall, marijuana, alcohol, cocaine, prison, yeah. and then death by heroin at 23. Mm-hmm. And so I got to witness that and actively partake in that. And the most helpless feeling as a, as a human is your inability to get someone to change destructive behaviors when you know the outcome is going to yeah. be bad. And so, um, you know, after Seth died, I realized um, that I write a chapter in my book called Two Roads, where the day Seth died, I told my two boys, they were 15 and 13 at the time, I said, you know, boys, we have two roads to go down. We have one road of anger, despair, and hatred, and we'll become alcoholics and addicts ourselves. Or we have a road of inspiration and motivation where we can use this as the single greatest uh, moment in our life to change our lives and those around us. I'm on the second road. You guys can join me. And I didn't tell them what to do. I thought it was important as a dad Mm -hmm. to show them what to do, not to tell them what to do. Because I know when my parents told me what not to do, that didn't work very well. Exactly. Especially (laughs) at that age, too. It's Um, the time they really have to figure out who they are themselves. Yeah, and children deal with death so different. And, you know, when you're 13 and 15 and you have to go to your older brother's funeral, um, there's a lot of studies that I I emphasize in my book about sibling death and how adolescents view it even different than losing a parent. Um, and, And it stays with them the rest of their life. And I tried to make it clear, James, for my boys that, you know, this is a competitive advantage that you have. You know, your sibling rivalry, your your friend group doesn't have this uh, arrow in the quiver to deal with the death of a brother. Don't let this be a broken arrow. This is something that you have to use to transform your life into something positive. And both of my boys are absolutely have done heroic things I could spend hours talking about. <laughs> the money they've raised, the presentations they've done on behalf of their brother. Wow. It's it's humbling. Wow. Very humbling. And, and, and first off, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm going to be very careful how I ask this question. 
with the loss of somebody, often we can lose other things as well. You said you, you, your, mem- your, your marriage ended as well. W- with that, right. with so many losses, it, you're, it sounds like you're, everyone's handled things differently. With that, that's another right. quiver in your arrow, another quiver, another, excuse me, another arrow in your quiver as well, as you had weird dealt something that you weren't also expecting. So there's a parallel process there. Not only did you tell your kids about right. that, but also with you, with your marriage ending and transitioning to something else, but that was something you then had an opportunity to say, what do I do with that too? I love the word opportunity. Um, death, death was handed on a silver platter to me as an opportunity yes. to become a better man. Yeah. And I embraced it and um, formed my nonprofit called the Choices Network. I have the Living Undeterred Project now that I'm using what you're doing kind of as a, as a high bar. Yeah. You know, I want to get out there and tell my story yeah. and help people. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, kudos to what you're doing. And hopefully um, people watching this today can realize that, hey, you know, uh, Jeff had these tough things happen yeah. to him, but he's done some really good things out of it. Yeah. So I wanted a net, I wanted a net positive, James. So I buried a child, buried a marriage. I had to find things yes. that I didn't want to break even. Yes. Good for you. I didn't want to break even. I wanted to be a net positive. So I have even bigger projects now I'm working on, uh, that, that I, that, um, that are very intriguing. And as an ADD person myself, <laughs> which I have to assume you are too, bit, yes. <laughs> uh, it, it's a superpower. Yes, it it, I can't shut it yes. off. I cannot shut off my active mind. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't do drugs. I knew I would get, I knew I would get addicted yes. to them. Yeah. Um, but I had a compulsive gambling problem for 20 years. And I talk about that in my book as well, about how as a financial advisor, oh, you know, being a compulsive yeah. gambler, wow. yeah, it isn't a good, isn't a good, uh, a good thing to confess, but I, I beat it. I figured out a way good. to trick my brain that even when I win, I lost. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had my, uh, my brain convinced that uh, I could win all the money in the casino, but I still was walking out a loser. And um, that's, how I, yeah. that's how I treated my ability to quit alcohol, to quit drinking as well. Wow. You've been through a lot of things in your own life. Um, and, and I love the fact that you are continually searching for something. Um, and so with, mm-hmm. with the loss of, uh, loss of Seth, um, you've, you're searching for answers not only for yourself, but also to help people as well. When, when you look back at your life, does, I mean, it would be obvious that you still struggle at times because we all do, but moving forward, it sounds like this is a great platform for you that anything that comes your way, now you know that you have the tools to be able to accomplish and overcome any other potential tragedy you may have in the future. Yeah, I've got this thing and I've, I have a sticky note on my computer. It says, be less impressed, be more in action. Hmm. And what that, what that is is a mindset hmm. that I, I love social media. I like comments and liking people. And I like all these conversations, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not a talker, I'm a doer. And um, I, I would rather, instead of having a two-hour dialogue about addiction, uh, go out and start a company where I can help people get together and talk about yeah. addiction or start a nonprofit or do a golf tournament. Or I just, I, I'm not comfortable sitting around doing nothing and I'm not really interested in talking. Good, good for you. Um, yeah, and it's just something. So be less impressed, be, be more inspired. I think I heard Matthew McConaughey say that uh, on an interview and I'm driving my, I'm driving my car and I'm going, (laughs) man, I love that. I love that. So I pulled over and had to write it down. That's right. (laughs) Tell me more about your nonprofit. Yeah. My nonprofit's called the choices Choices network. Network. Yeah. And I didn't want a anti-drinking sobriety thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not really into that. Uh, It's all about choices and people can choose to drink responsibly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not anti-alcohol. I'm not anti-marijuana. I'm not anti most drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the inevitability, the inevitability of these things becoming legal, we have to learn to get our kids sure. to know that just because marijuana is legal doesn't mean you have to smoke yeah. it. 
you know? Exactly. And I don't think, uh, I think parents are naive in the reality that these things are coming, even psychedelics mm -hmm. eventually. And so Choices was just a perfect name for my organization to not tell people what to think, but to tell kids how to think. Exactly. You know, massive difference in, in thought process mm -hmm. there. And it's also the normalization um, of, of things as well as if, if we put, if we hide something and say, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. But we don't we just normalize something that you will have opportunities, whether it's using a substance, whether it's doing whatever it is. When you normalize the fact right. that that is an everyday thing or a potential everyday occurrence, then it removes the stigma from it. It removes the taboo of it. And in that, then you can have a healthy conversation, a healthy dialogue to say, well, these are the choices that you could have. And these are the outcomes, yeah. positive or negative outcomes. But there's always going to be an outcome. Which do you want? And which one nets you? Which one moves you towards your, the goal you have in life? You know, one stigma, James, I'm happy you brought that up, is parents uh, and, and, and adults think that kids are doing these things as an escape. Mm. And the reality is most of them are doing it as an exploration. Yeah. And so, you know, I think, I think we just assume, why is Junior drinking beer? He's trying to escape some problem he has. Well, you know, that's not necessarily, I didn't drink alcohol as a 15-year-old because I was escaping abuse yeah. or anything. I was just curious, yeah. you know? So I think as parents, we need to say, that's fine. You know, be curious. I'm 55. I'm curious in a lot of things. But um, in that curiosity quest, there are consequences. Yes, sir. And if you're going to have six beers and get behind the wheel, you know, you may get home safe the one time, but the second time you do, you may not. And there's a consequence to yeah. all these things. So I think as adults that we need to just really approach this from a, you know, a level of understanding with our children, not lecturing, yes. you know. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot of things with Seth. I learned a lot of things I could have done better as a dad. Um, and instead of taking those to my grave with, you know, tons of baggage and guilt, I've let all that go. I have, I have no guilt with my son's death. Um, and I'm trying to create heaven on earth right now that I can see him every day talking with you. I see him. And uh, that's how I want to live my life. And I, I have right now, I'm the most at peace I've ever been in my life. And it's just going to get better. And, and I'm going to do it by honoring him. That's how I'm going to do it. Congratulations. Thank you. Let's transition into your book. This one's for you, An Inspirational Journey Through Addiction, Death, and Meaning. Tell me more about that. Well, the, the idea was my son, when, when Seth died, we started a GoFundMe account. And we raised uh -huh. a bunch of money initially. And my, my middle son, Ian, who's a competitive golfer at the University of South Dakota right now, Division mm -hmm. One golfer, he came up with this idea that every time he made a birdie, he would point his putter in the air and say, this one's for you. And then we'd raise money. Mm. Well, we raised like twenty dollars or $30,000 through wow. junior golf. He won the Jerry Cole Sportsmanship Award through the AJGA, which they picked one junior golfer in the world, male or female, to win this award. And they gave it wow. to my son. And Zach Johnson, the professional golfer, narrated a nine-minute documentary on CBS about our journey using golf to deal with uh, trauma. Wow. So if people... People just Google CBS Sports, Ian Johnston, they can see the documentary. So golf and sports was just a great way for me to escape. And then we raised all this money. And from there, the nonprofit now is kind of the, the receiving end of, of the charity that we're getting from people. But um, yeah, the book's an unbelievable story how through such a traumatic event, some unbelievable things have happened. And I'm not a big believer in synchronicity, but at some point you kind of go, wow. You know, there's, there's something to this. Sure. I, I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, golf had a lot to do with um, uh, my, my healing. Um, wow. 
had a lot to do with it. When I think about this overall, you know, you, you were able to find something and that's how legacies are created. Um, I can't right. remember the, the woman who's, who created Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving, but unfortunately that was because her daughter was killed by a drunk driver. And there's so many things that can come out of this. What is a legacy you want to see that comes out of, out of this tragedy? That's, that's ironic you say that. The last question in my sentence is, uh, the um, life's final exam is not graded until after your death in the form of the legacy mm. you leave. What will your legacy be? Wow. And that's my last, that's my last sentence really? in the book. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. And I don't go through the book trying to answer questions for people. Sure. I try to ask questions to get yeah. people to use my book as a guide. Good. So yeah, what my, my legacy is simply that through chaos, through, mm -hmm. through life, life is chaos. Mm -hmm. I mean, the earth is just a spinning ball sure. of, of matter that is, you know, it, in motion and chaotic. From that, we can build beautiful, uh, awesome ideas, and, and, and we can actually implement these things to help ourselves and help others. So I guess that's kind of how I look at things. Through, through death and loss, great things can happen, and um, they have to happen. You, you don't, I don't have a – I have no plan B. My only plan is, yeah. is, is to succeed in what I'm doing. I mm -hmm. mean, my plan B was probably suicide, yeah. and yeah. That, that's not a very good option. Yeah. So – when I spoke with you before, you were telling me about, you, you spoke about something. There was a 14-year-old boy that came up to you and was crying. Oh, yeah. My opening stage. The opening part of my book was my epiphany moment, James. And it was a 14-year-old that had come up to me after a class I did talking about uh, what happened to us. And he, after everyone left, he came up and he had tears in his eyes. And I felt like I said something that hurt his feelings. And he said, Jeff, I just want to tell you, um, I'm 14 and I'm an alcoholic and I've been in treatment. And it hit me. Yeah, I just, you know, I got all extremely emotional. And I looked at him thinking, here I am telling my story, wanting people to kind of feel sorry for me. And here's this precious little boy, 14, yeah. that is an alcoholic. And I said, wow. this, is, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. And he handed me a note, James, and it said, it said Mr. Johnston, stay strong. And I thought to myself, well, here's a 14-year-old telling me to stay <laughs> strong. It's like, geez, I got to get off my ass and start working. Yeah. I got things I got to do. And that motivated me to start writing my book. That day I got home, I said, Mm. If I died, all these things I have in my ADD head are going to go for nothing. So I got to write this down. Wow. And I took a year of my life and wrote the book. And, um, and that's, um, that's how I came up with this one's for you. It's for Seth. It's for James. It's mm. for my, my ex-wife. It's for my children. It's for everybody out there that's struggling with addiction, substance abuse, and mental health. Yeah. Well, that young, that young man, the 14-year-old, hopefully if he watches you again or sees, he reads more about you, hopefully then he will realize how much he impacted you and hopefully also recognizes that he too has a purpose and a plan for his life as well. Yeah, I did actually talk to him. Uh, I, gave okay. him cell, I gave him my cell phone number to call me and about six months later he called me and I did talk to him for about a half hour on the phone. Mm. Um, and he had um, been sexually abused as a young oh, boy. Nice. And um, and that's, that was his drinking and his parents sure. were alcoholics. And so, you know, I, what is my why? Man, I, 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 if I can't find a why with what's happened to me in the last four years, then what the hell am I doing? I sure. mean, what else do I need, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. What, what is some of the, the in, in the press, if you will? So your, your book's been published. What's some of the reviews yeah. that you've received? The reviews have been great. I think a lot of people that are going through some of these things are afraid to read it. Um, I had, um, yeah. Steve, Steve Grant who lost his only two boys to heroin overdoses, oh, who was a good, uh, beginning in my book. I actually called Steve. He has a book called don't forget me. And he lost Kristen Kelly five years apart, his only two sons. Mm. This was 20 years ago before the opioid epidemic was a household name, but he's raised over a million dollars through his Kristen Kelly hope foundation. Um, 
And I would strongly suggest you reach out to Steve. He, he's my role model for what I'm trying to do. Um, and, you know, people like that I'm meeting every day uh, that have been through some amazing things. And um, now I forgot what your question was. Um, <laughs> now, what were the reviews? You did a, yeah, you, you answered it. Yeah. Reviews have been good, but people have been afraid to read it because they think that it's going to be some sad story. Yeah. It's not. You're going to put yeah. the book down. You're going to walk down the hallway. You're going to hug your kids. You're going to tell them you love them every single day. Mm. You're going to go to that gravesite of, uh, you know, somebody you love. It may not be a child that you lost, um, yeah. but we've all lost somebody. Yeah. Um, and we all have a relationship that's fractured, and we got to bury the hatchet. Um, yeah. You know, Seth had a child uh, that he didn't know. When he died, oh, he had, really? his girlfriend was pregnant, so I have a four-year-old granddaughter named Brighton. Oh. Uh, and her dad's dead, and her mom lost custody for heroin. So. This little four-year-old angel has no parents. And, mm. you know, I'm, I'm not going to allow that cycle to continue for her. So yes. I want her to know about her son, and I'm not going to hold back. Uh, mm -hmm. The good and bad. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry about her dad. Mm -hmm. um, the good and bad. So when she gets to be at that age where she's going to start making choices, she can understand that um, she needs to be very focused that she has some risk levels now being yeah. Yeah. a child of this stuff. Yeah. And, um so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about my future. I, I cry seven, ten times a day, uh, and I, I embrace it. I, yeah. I've never been depressed. Um, I, have, I have the worst depressive moments I've ever had mm -hmm. that anyone could have, but sure. I've never been depressed. I just yeah. not, I trick my brain not to really believe in depression. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. And that's, and of course that's nothing to say that it doesn't, it doesn't affect other people. I know we're specifically Absolutely. talking about you, but yeah, exactly. That's right. Good. Yeah, depression is a terrible thing. Yeah. yeah, of course. What's what's next for you? So you have the Choices Network. You've written your book. What's next for you and your platform? My next platform is I want to start a company. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to start an online community similar to what Mike did. Um, but I want to focus with I want to focus with adolescents and youth, mm -hmm. so giving them a platform to go to, a free resource where anonymously they could talk. I mean, I've I've taken so many phone calls from my son's friends that say, hey, I can't, I don't want to talk about any, any of this, but I know you've been through this, but I think I thought about killing myself last night. Mm -hmm. oh and gosh. so, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm just a dad. I'm, I'm, you have the clinical expertise, James. I, I don't, but I have some of the life lessons mm -hmm. that, that other people haven't had that I think I, if I can get together with the, the clinical people, then yeah. maybe the, maybe the two of us can do some, some really good here to get people together, get connected. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm in the middle of doing a documentary now uh, oh, wow. that I want to, yeah, I, I hired a, a guy named um, Antarctic Mike. He's a rock star. Um, he's, a, he's all over social media. Um, he trained for two years to run a marathon in the Antarctic, and his story is inspiring. But wow. he's going to come out here to Iowa and do a documentary so I can start sending this out to get more speaking engagements to start spreading the word. Um, so those are just two projects I have in mind that I'm going to be working on. Um, amazing. And, I, you know, I'm not going to let Seth down, man. I'm I'm no less a dad now just because he's not here. You know, I'm, I'm still his dad. And yes, um, that's what I'm going to be. I'm always going to be his dad. And yes. uh, I'm excited. I'm, ha I'm proud of him. I'm real proud of him for, for what he, the impact he's had on my life. Yes. Extremely proud of him. And I'm not going to let him down. Yes. And we truly honor that as well. He sounds like an amazing young man. And so I, I'm so glad to, I got to hear more about him as well. Yeah. Well, I think you had mentioned Mike, uh, you were referring to Mike Russell, who is the founder of Join Monument. So Monument is an, yeah. online, an online platform for those who struggle with their connection with alcohol. So that's the right. person with whom you're, my listeners, so you know, they know who you're talking about. Yeah, I've listened to quite a few of your shows and you guys did a great job. That was a oh, great show. Thank you. Yeah, he's a phenomenal yeah. person. Yeah, we'll definitely yeah. link people with him as well. We um, only have a couple more seconds here. What's your final thoughts about all this, about 
everything you've learned in your life? I would say my final thought is another phrase I, I kind of stole from Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning mm-hmm. is um, pain is unavoidable, but suffering is a choice. Exactly. And he said opportunity or um, suffering is my opportunity. So I kind of rephrased it. But I kind of look at pain as, as something that's just part of living. Mm-hmm. But the suffering isn't. Yeah. You know, exactly. you, you choose you choose how you want to suffer, but you can't really choose your pain. I couldn't choose the pain of Seth dying, but I certainly can choose how long I'm going to let that affect me yes. negatively. Yes. And I decided that um, I need to control my suffering. That's what I decided to do. Well, congratulations. Well, Jeff Johnson, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. If my listeners want to find out more information about you and to learn more about the Choices Network and also to purchase your book, This One's For You, An Inspirational Journey Through Addiction, Death, and Meaning, where will they find all this information online? The best place, James, is www.livingundeterred.com. I also post a weekly blog and an hour-long podcast interview I do each week. Oh, wonderful. I didn't even yep. know about that. Excellent. Yep. Like I said, you're, 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 my, you're my template, so I'm, oh. trying to, uh, I'm trying to emulate what you're doing because I got so much respect for you, man. You're doing a great job, James. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate that. My listeners also know that if they can't find your information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com, and I will link you with this amazing person. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much again for being a guest on my show today. I'm honored. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.